reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 through 17. Chapter, uh, first, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 through 17. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have died for, we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ and those who died for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that everyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. Good morning. Boy, there sure is a lot of pastel in this room, isn't there? <laughs> we are glad that you have chosen to join us. This is uh, what we do on a Sunday as we come together and we want to worship God. For me, growing up, Easter uh, had some special things that were involved. Of course, there was lots and lots of chocolate, but we had to hunt it first, and, and there was some Easter bunny that would hide these, but one of the things I'll never forget is the little baskets that we had in the top closet uh, of, my, of my mother's closet, and those were reserved only for Easter time. And each one of us had the bag. And I can remember having those baskets and looking at them all year long. I can't wait till I get to get that little green and blue basket down. And it has that little green cellophane fake grass in there. And that stuff would go everywhere. But I couldn't wait to get that out because that meant Easter was coming and we would be with family. Well, this morning, I want to encourage you to think about how exciting it is that we're here this morning celebrating what Easter really is all about. But before we do that, I want to spend just a few moments and I want to talk a little bit about physics. How many of you are familiar with Sir Isaac Newton. Does anybody know? He, he created some laws, and there's some laws that we remember. Probably most of us, if there's one law that you can remember from Isaac Newton, it would be his third law, which does anybody know what that is? For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And so this morning, I want to take a few minutes and I want to demonstrate the idea of that for every action that there is, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And so what I like to do, I don't want you to listen to me talk or even have to stare at me too long. So instead, I'm going to see if I can show you exactly what that is. But I need a few helpers. If I can have, if you're in fifth grade and you want to come up here and help me, I would really appreciate it. I need some fifth graders to come up here and help me. Okay, what we have here um, is a little bit, I'll show you what this is. Hopefully you can see uh, this is a, a catapult uh, or a, a lever, what we have here. Uh, it's, it's just basically a glorified seesaw. And we're going to be using that today. So if you can put this right here. You guys, I'm going to need your help. Um, we're going to move this table out. We're going to talk about... I hid some things back here. Now, you guys, I'm going to let you pick it up. You've got to get the hands out of the pockets. There you go. Now, pick it up. You got it. I know I could help you, but I'll just enjoy watching you. Now, we're going to go this way. Okay. We have... 
the driver. Okay, that's good. Now, let's move it this way, because I don't know what some of these things are going to do. Okay, y'all are doing great. Let's stay right there. Okay, Uh, I want to introduce you all to Princess Anna. For those of you who have seen uh, the movie Frozen, um, I've seen it one time and listened to it about 40 times, because that's what plays in our car as we're going down the road. Good, bad, or indifferent, I could sing all the songs to Frozen. I won't, but I could. And I'm going to place Princess Anna right here. And we're going to talk about the idea that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And so what I want to do is, I want you to think about how excited, make sure that doesn't roll away, how excited you sometimes get in your life, and what motivates you, what gets you excited. And so for some people, like me, it's gadgets. Maybe it's the new phone that has come out. Uh, Maybe it's a DVD player. And so I want you to imagine what would happen, how excited you get when you get that brand new DVD player that you've always wanted. Let's just see how exciting you get. Excited you get. Really? This isn't dodgeball. You were supposed to catch her. <sighs> Maybe I should have asked for sixth graders. Okay, here we go. Here we go. I don't know. Okay, so um, that's a little exciting, but let's try something else. Maybe, maybe gadgets aren't your thing. Maybe basketball is your thing. Maybe you really like uh, Princess Anna places, please. <laughs> she likes to sit up in the ride. Okay, there we go. Maybe you really like basketball. Maybe you love the Hobbs Eagles. And maybe how excited would you get if the Hobbs Eagles just won a state championship? They've done it a lot. They're a great team. You think you'd be excited about that? How about that? I should have put a helmet on her. Okay. Maybe that's not your thing. Maybe basketball's not the deal. Maybe you like vacationing a lot. Maybe you want to go to the Grand Canyon. Maybe you want to go to the beach somewhere. Maybe you've packed your bags. You think that's exciting? Pretty exciting. Let's find out how excited you might get. All right. She prefers not to be caught by the hair. Um, maybe, maybe what really gets you excited is money. I know this is, this is hard to get. I had to pull some strings, but I got a 100%, 100% authentic gold painted brick. Um, and so if this were gold... I want you to imagine how excited would you be if you won the lottery, if you found that you had enough money, that you were financially secure, that you could do the things that you want to do. It probably would make you pretty excited, wouldn't it? All right. You know, we could go on and on. Here's a big one. I'm going to get in trouble for this one. But maybe it's not things, maybe it's that precious child, or that grandchild, or that great-grandchild, 
or the 17 grandchildren that you have pictures of in your wallet and you show to anyone, any unsuspecting victim. And what you love to do is spoil the grandchildren. That's what really makes you happy. When you see them walk into the door, it puts a smile on your face. And so you're really excited about this. Just, I, I want you to erase this from your memory while I'm doing this. I feel really awful. But how excited do you get around family? You know, I actually thought you probably are a little more excited than that. I thought about getting about 14 of these and taping them together. But we know this is something that really... Oh, you already know what's going on. Okay, so here we go. This is the last one because I don't know what really gets you excited. And it's a little different for everybody. Maybe it is seeing your family. Maybe it's going shopping. Maybe it's the, the box that comes in the mail. I, I don't know what it is, but there's something that you look forward to that, that gives you hope and excitement. How, how great is that? Now, how exciting is that when you have something special in your life and it motivates you? For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Okay, let's, let's place her up there one more time. This morning, I don't want to talk about stuff. Because really, these aren't the things that offer real happiness. What I want to talk about this morning is how do we appropriately respond to a God who would love us so much that He would send His Son? Is Anna buckled in? I want to talk about what would happen, how should you really respond, not when the eagles win, not when you get to go on vacation, but you really think about what God did for us. He sent His Son. Jesus chose to be a servant. Obedient even to death. How do we respond to a man who would give up his life? How do we respond to a God who would roll away a stone? You see, Easter is not really about the eggs or chocolate or bunnies. It's not about pastel shirts. It's not about getting that little gift from the bunny on Sunday morning. It's about what Jesus did for us. And so I want to ask you, how do you think we should respond when from heaven, the Son of God came down to earth and gave His life for us. What does it mean when He took that stone and He rolled it away? A little more graphic than I wanted. But think about this for a second. Guys, thank you so much. You did a wonderful job. Let's give these guys a hand, would you? You can leave it there. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you, Connor. Okay, this morning, there's some pretty disturbing thoughts uh, or or visuals that you have in your head, and we're going to try to erase those, because I don't want to focus on the time that I held a baby up in the ground, up in the air, and dropped it to the ground. 
what I want us to talk about is how our lives should be completely changed. No, no, let me say that. Let our lives be completely transformed by the fact that God would send His Son. It's a really special day in the Crumb House because we got up and we love Easter. And in a little bit when we go home, we're going to get these little Easter eggs and we're going to hide them all over the place. And I'm sorry, but I don't believe in the hiding where it's like right in front of you. I mean, we really hide them. In fact, last year when we did it, we had to take pictures where we hid them. Because two years ago, we didn't. And over the course of that next year, we were finding these eggs that were hidden in places that they never should have been. And it's amazing what chocolate can do over time when it's left uh, up near a light bulb. And so we really take uh, Easter seriously. I mean, we're all about having fun and being with family. And it's a great time together. But let me tell you something. There's something so much better than finding an egg full of candy. It's discovering that the tomb was empty. You see, that changes everything about our lives. Nothing about our lives should ever be the same because the tomb was empty. Jesus did what no one else thought that He could do. In fact, His own enemies, they were afraid that His disciples would come and steal His body in the night and tell everybody that He had risen from the dead. And so they went and they took a large stone and they placed it in front of this new tomb that nobody had ever been in. And they placed it there and they put a seal on it so if anybody tampered with that stone, they would know it. The apostles, hiding in a dark room, exchanging looks, sometimes speaking, oftentimes in sheer agony and hopelessness, that Jesus died. Things were supposed to change. They were going to be different. He promised they would be. We saw Him do things that nobody had ever done before. Amidst their grief, they would share stories about the time that the lame man lowered from the roof would be healed. They remembered the excitement of the dialogue that Jesus would have with these chief priests and the Pharisees as He would reach out and heal a man who had a shriveled hands and how He showed him that He is Lord of all, including the Sabbath. They remember thinking what an awful smell there would be as Jesus would walk into Lazarus' tomb as they would open it up and he would call forth Lazarus. And they're all thinking, what is he doing? Doesn't he know? Lazarus is dead. He's been that way for four days. They remember hearing the words, Lazarus come out. And seeing the dead walk. Peter, most of all, remembers that night 
where he went from seeing a ghost to walking on the Sea of Galilee. They shared those memories together. But they all ended when Jesus died. It was over. The plans, the promises, the prophecies, they ended the day that darkness reigned over light. But Sunday came and it changed not a small group of people, not the the area of Judea, not those who would clamor in Jerusalem over the next few weeks about this risen Messiah. No, it would change the world forever. Before the resurrection, most of His apostles left Him. They ran away, they hid, they lied. After the resurrection, they would follow their Savior to their death. Beheadings, stonings, being crucified upside down. Because they said what Jesus offers changes everything. I want to ask you, what what would life be like? If God says, here's what I'm going to do for you. For all the people in all the world, to show you my love, I'm going to give you a gold bar. I mean, that'd be worth thousands of dollars, right? You could spend it. But you do know it's going to expire, don't you? Well, the gold doesn't expire, but you do. He didn't offer us a little bit of money. He didn't send a package in the mail. He didn't give us keys to a car. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my son. And he's going to die for your sins. He's going to take the sins that are in your life that cripple you, that entangle you, that drag you down. And He's going to pull them off and He's going to say, I'm going to carry them. And I don't know how you can imagine the weight of sin, but I can tell you in my life, the weight of sin has been pretty tremendous. But think about the sin of all of humanity on the cross. Jesus went from perfect to a liar because He took your lies. He went from being pure to an adulterer because He took that off of you. He took the sins of the murderers the gossips, the rapists. He took the sins of the entire world and He pulled them off the people 
and said, I will take your sin. How do you respond to a God who would roll away stones and take away sins? Some pretty tremendous things have happened over the last 2,000 years where people have responded appropriately to a God who gave everything. Not just the 12 in that first century, but every century, every decade, every year, countless lives were transformed by the fact that Jesus rose. It would cause people to turn the other cheek, to love their neighbors. It would cause people to do radical things, go against a government that says, we can't have Jews living in our country. You know, one response that I think of that changed the lives of so many came from a man by the name of Raoul Wallenberg. Raoul was born in Budapest, but in the 1940s, about 1944, decided that he would take a trip over into Germany, Nazi Germany. It was there that he would secure some fake documents. And with those documents, he would rent out 32 buildings. And within those 32 buildings, he would ultimately house, hide, and transport over 10,000 Jews who were to be executed. Raoul would later on, towards the end of the war, use funds that he had secured to bribe some of the leaders in the Nazi camp. And ultimately, he was able to prevent what would have been the last and final death march for many of the Jews. Sometimes our response is spectacular. Sometimes it's not just about the success of the response, but the faithfulness. We don't need to rent buildings. We don't need to hide or house an ethnic group. But there's something we can do. How has your life been changed? And how can you respond? I want to pause for just a moment and ask if you would join me in watching a video that talks about the idea of how we can respond appropriately to the message that Jesus Christ came and died for us. Guy?
from the dead. Somewhere in Jerusalem there's a tomb that held the mangled, bloody, lifeless body of a carpenter. But not anymore. Instead, it's an empty tomb where the king of this world laid down his head and his life. And you picked it back up again. And what is your response to that? Remember, without Jesus, we're dead. We're lost. We're in sin. There's hopelessness in our lives. With Jesus Christ we have victory. Amen? We have victory because He rose from the dead. And that is what He's done for each one of you. He's taken your life that someday is going to end and He says, I have something better for you because I rolled the stone away. Cancer can't win. Old age can't take your life. What I have given you will never end. It won't expire. It's always there. And unlike the Easter egg that's hidden, Jesus Christ says, I am right here. Come to Me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke and learn from Me. For My yoke is easy and My burden is his light. He's offered us life. Jesus has called us 
to be baptized into Him, to be immersed into His life. It's more than just going down into the water. It's more than just giving up your sins. It's an opportunity for you to say, I am dying to my Savior and my Lord, and I'm going to be buried just as He was. But His promise was that He would come back to life, and when you come out of those waters, you are a new creation. Many of us have made that decision. But baptism is not a one-time event where we go under the water. It's immersing ourselves into the life of Jesus every day. My prayer for you is, be immersed daily into a life that calls you out of the grave. This morning, I don't know where you are, but I know where you can be. I know where Jesus is. He's not in the tomb. He's calling you to a life of forgiveness and joy, of peace and love. This morning, I want to encourage you to respond in some way. I don't know what it looks like, but my prayer is this. My prayer is that a basketball game, a package, or a DVD player will never elicit the same response as the Son of God dying on the cross and being raised to life. May we celebrate the risen Savior this morning. I'm going to ask if you would now stand, and Aaron is going to lead us in a song of invitation. And I want to ask each one of you to consider... How can you in your life respond to the message that Jesus has risen from the dead? Aaron.